Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Are you in fashion? fashion? Did you see what she's wearing for Tom's shoes? I'm Sonia Sly. My heels are killing me. Um, but I was told I have a backstage pass. You will need to get the right pass to get behind me, Pam. Look, I need to go. Code red, code red, code we have a situation. I'm taking you inside the fashion industry to discuss trends, the reality behind the glamour, and the highs and lows of a fast-paced industry that never stops. Globally, 80 billion new garments are produced each year, with the fashion industry ranking second as one of the biggest polluters following right behind the oil industry. Now, thinking about it in those terms is definitely worrying. But while pollution and waste is an issue, there's an immense pressure for the garment industry to keep up with the supply and demand of fast fashion, a reality that devastatingly hit home when Bangladesh-based garment factory Rana Plaza collapsed in 2013. It was the worst industrial disaster in Bangladesh's history. She was eventually dragged from the rubble, along with more than 2,000 mostly garment workers. I don't want to work anywhere like it. Another factory will collapse like Rana Plaza. With a shocking death toll of more than 1,000 people, some as young as 11 years old, it's hard not to be affected. Even watching clips now and the chaos that ensued. People being lifted from the collapsed building where workers were forced in that day, despite an urgent warning the day before of the building's cracked pillars. There are faces peeking out between heavy concrete slabs, desperate people crying for help. Hundreds were injured, with many survivors facing the trauma of amputation to make their way to freedom. That event has informed the way consumers think and feel about clothes, the people making them and the condition that those workers are faced with. For some of us, myself included, it dictates whether or not I'll buy an item on sale and the desire to purchase a garment just because it's cheap simply isn't there anymore. So today, customers are savvy. They want transparency from an industry associated with excess, child and slave labour. And let's face it, none of us need more clothes. Yet the desire for the new continues to keep us reaching for our wallets, propelling the forward motion of invisible hands on the fashion industry's clock, one that never stops ticking. But what comes to mind when thinking about sustainable and ethical clothing? Ethical is very part of it all. You know, I don't hate sweatshops, things like that, which is just not on. So, But I then have to be prepared to pay a bit more for that. Recycled rubbish turned into clothing. Second-hand clothes or try and buy New Zealand made. If clothing is going through a process where it's ethically produced, what does that mean to you? The source of the labour that's used to make it. Do you think about those things when you go and purchase clothing? Not always. And what's the longest period of time that you will keep an item of clothing in your wardrobe and what do you do with it? <laughs> I have a kind of use stream. I will go through the wardrobe maybe twice a year and go, look, I haven't worn that for a year. If it's still in good condition, I'll take it to a second-hand place or even give it to someone else. 
Well, today I'm wearing a pair of German shoes with soles made from recycled tyres, a shirt with hand-stitched details by an independent Kiwi label, and a pair of Australian-made jeans. And when I think of sustainable clothing, organic cotton comes to mind, along with garments that are locally produced and designed to be timeless, made from natural fabrics rather than synthetics, with designers working on limited runs, leaving as little waste behind as possible. And of course, if something is made to last, then quality should be key. In particular, emerging designers are extremely conscious of how they want to run their businesses and produce their collections, and approaching them sustainably and ethically can be done in different ways, as I'm about to find out. I just got a new pair of shoes the other weekend by MNZ. They're based in New York, I'm pretty sure. For designer Rachel Mills, who showed for the first time at Fashion Week this year, sustainability is essential to her ethos, not only how she shops, but also her design process. And it's still quite a small label. There's actually, a, I think, a Kiwi person working for them, so it's quite interesting to see how that's playing out. But they produce quite small collections as well and really beautiful pieces. So are you primarily someone who will only buy ethically made clothing as well, or is it...? Uh, most of the time. Um, I mean, there's the odd thing where it slips up, but that's what I'd like to do. I don't, honestly, I don't buy a lot because I just end up wearing my own things most of the time. Um, Also, starting a new business, you're always on a bit of a budget. But I wouldn't walk into Topshop and buy five things off the rack. That's not me at all. Rachel takes me to look at her collection, which she's just shown as part of an installation made of hand-painted recycled tubing. Her garments are wearable and sophisticated. There are plenty of separates and covetable high-waisted man-style trousers, shirts and suiting. It's a kind of clothing that empowers a woman to feel strong and confident. And what's more, the textiles are all natural. I started this fabric because this was one of my favourite fabrics. Um, it's a vintage wool, so it's, it's, it's old. Um, but we've used the salvage as a little detail in it as well because I thought there was some really beautiful um, text in there. Um, How hard was it to actually find that? This was actually by chance. I have some great suppliers who are local that I go through and they sort of um, buy remnants from bigger designers or vintage things from um, Italy or Europe and bring them back. And So it was by chance that they kind of just pulled it out in front of me and I fell in love with it. So This one's an actual, quite an interesting one because I've been looking into organic fabrics. So this one's an organic denim source from India. The way it's grown, it's not using um, harsh pesticides like uh, regular cotton wood. The dyes are made from natural plant-based dyes. They're just much more friendlier on the environment. It also um, helps the people involved in the process. They're not getting sick from handling all the pesticides and that kind of thing as well. So the the majority of what I've used are all natural fibres. That's something that I kind of really want to stick to. This one here is a beautiful Italian wool from a mill called Bella in Italy. So we've got silk, cotton, um, 100% wool. That's cotton with a smidgen of lycra for the stretch. Again, organic cotton in this one. So this is from the same place in India. And then we've got, again, 100% cotton denim. Silk crepe de chine here, um, and this one was sourced. This one and this one was sourced as um, remnants from bigger fashion houses as well. And what she means by remnants is the excess or surplus fabric used by designers that might have otherwise gone in the bin. 
Now these are interesting ones because I went all over Auckland sourcing secondhand bed linen. Wow. So these are made from sheets that have been cut up into bias strips and then knitted. So it gives quite an interesting texture and like a ribbon knit as well. And where did that idea come from? I just had a bit of fun playing around. I was sort of looking at reference of sort of um, raffia or ribbon knits and I was like what what can I do that's going to reuse something that's already there that there is kind of a large amount of and that's what I came up with. All of the jewellery pieces as well, are they organic? I was introduced to them by my business mentor, Janet, and she goes over to um, the Cook Islands a few times a year to mentor small businesses over there. I was a little bit hesitant at first, but because I hadn't seen anything, and when she showed them to me, I kind of fell in love, and I was like, this is exactly what we need. Um, So it's a family-owned business. What's the actual material? dried seeds. Yeah, all local seeds that she collects. It's time to head outside for a breath of fresh air and a candid chat about Rachel's ethos. She's come to the industry first as a pattern maker and has been working for designer Karen Walker until recently. So why approach your collections in a sustainable way? I mean, and this is a question that all, I guess, emerging designers and labels that are fairly young have the opportunity to kind of ask themselves, really, isn't it? I think for me it's like I don't see doing business any other way being an option. For me, it's what I support and what I feel happy to be doing, and it would be kind of a contradiction if I started doing something else, I think. What are the processes involved then? And Because there is, I guess there are many ways to approach becoming sustainable or being yeah. a sustainable ethical designer. I think at the moment it's more of a process than saying I'm going to be 100% sustainable, because in... Auckland at the moment it's quite a difficult thing you're really limited with what you can source being a new business it's quite difficult to have the budget to go and travel everywhere and find the resources and everything so for me it's a process, it's a starting point and I kind of want to keep growing it as much as I can. Because that's also mileage that you'd be clocking up the cost involved and the fumes coming out of the aeroplane all of that factors in doesn't it? It definitely does factor in and it's I guess it's the lesser of two evils you've got to kind of weigh up what seems right to you and what you want to support and how exactly it's going to play out the the woven sort of pieces with the bed linen would you call that upcycling not because you've remaking because you are remaking something out of an already existing or finished piece i would call it upcycling i guess but i think when you hear that word there's a whole lot of different connotations that you get whether it's like traditional eco wear or things like that so what i wanted to do was to show that I can still create something that people are going to really love or that is the design aesthetic that I want, but putting limitations on what I can use to create it. You're in your career, Mm. for a part of that you have been working for Karen Walker, as a pattern maker? About four and a half years, I think. Before that, I was at uni. So that was my first job, fresh out of uni. I, I was working in retail for a little bit at Black Box and then a short internship at Karen Walker and then someone ended up going on maternity leave and they asked me to come back and take a job so that was amazing you know going from that kind of scale of production because it's international to going well I want to do the opposite of that yeah it's it's quite different I mean Karen's been doing some amazing things to um, I guess straighten out her resources where everything comes from in the factories and everything like that but it is a much different scale there you're dealing with offshore factories and just so many different components of where the fabric comes from and how long it's going to take to get to New Zealand. But it really was a lot of learning. I guess I can look at how they did things, take from it what I want to do, and 
change, change it up a bit? Did some aspects of the bigger sort of scale production, did that frighten you? Um, it's not frightening because I now know that it's, it's doable if I did ever want to go offshore, but for me it's about choosing the right people to be working with, I think. And as part of being sort of ethical and sustainable, you're obviously cutting your own and making your own patterns. And is everything sewn here? Um, At the moment, everything is sewn here. I'm tossing up whether it's worth taking offshore because we're so limited here with what skills are available. There's not a lot of people who cut, make and sew anymore and there's not a lot of resources. So it would be interesting to see how it goes with offshore production but it's more of three or four years away. We'll see what happens. You know, fashion's constantly moving. Mm. What changes do you foresee happening, say, in the next five years? I think there's been a big shift lately. So much is expected of labels of certain amounts that they have to churn out each year, whether it's churning out eight collections a year. But for me, I don't see the point in producing something just for the sake of producing something. I'm only going to keep doing it as long as I'm happy with what I'm producing and that I feel there's a reason to produce it. The way that I see things heading, being sustainable or caring about where your products are made or who makes them, I see that as what's going to become truly important and the shift is to get other people, consumers, to understand that and to want to buy into that. While in Auckland, I head to Ponsonby to meet Miss Crab founder Christine Crab. On arrival, the doors open to racks of garments and operates as a private showroom. There's a well-known singer trying something on for an upcoming event and Christine is having a big Friday lunch with her team. She takes me through to the workroom, past shelving and rolls and rolls of fabric, into a room the size of a fairly generous lounge. There's a kind of kitsch feel to it in terms of its decor and, surprisingly, a queen-size bed. So I hop on to have a chat with the mother of three who has been in the industry now for 16 years. So in 2001, I opened up my shop, Ripshed and Bust on K Road, and I had that for three years. We had kind of like a bit of a Victorian kind of feel and a bit of, sounds embarrassing now, but like a bit of a steampunk vibe. Yeah. When did you decide that it was time to just kind of focus on Miss Crab? And is Crab actually your surname? Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of getting a bit tired of doing Rip Shit and Bus. I just wanted to create something that was just quite distinctively my style. I just wanted to kind of refine and hone how I thought dream clothes should be and I want the clothes from a technical point of view to be very simple and beautifully made so the pattern pieces are basic geometric shapes they become very drapey and kind of full volume Today Miss Crab is synonymous with beautiful timeless silks that can be worn in a multitude of ways that keeps in line with the whole idea of sustainability That's kind of the dream is to have these clothes that you can that are so classic that you can wear to any kind of occasion, just part of your life rather than an actual fashion item. Just these clothes that kind of get rid of all the orthodoxy of fashion, like all these stupid rules about size and what's appropriate and how if you look fancy or if you look poor. or You tend to do, is it just one size of each garment? Yeah, how yeah. Tr- how tricky is it then to ensure that one garment at one size is going to fit many, many body shapes? Yeah, well it is really crazy and I, I put so much time into getting the patterns that they're fluid for sizing and that came out of um, having kids because 
um, I still wanted to wear the clothes that I was making, but I had to accommodate my changing body. And so, and that's where I was just like, I was kind of doing it before I um, started having kids and I had customers, pregnant women saying, does she realise she's doing like really cool maternity wear? And I was like, that is such a genius idea. So when I started having kids, then yeah, I just really got in the zone of dressing for all different types of body shapes, which was really... That's been really key for your brand. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I would have been as bold with like the things that I made and it wouldn't have been such a battle to get them made either like you know I might have... so actually like when you when you yeah. are designing each piece because I guess you have to think about it quite technically don't you yeah because just, of that yeah it's just so much trial and error and testing and wearing and that before we get to a finished product but then once we do like we put all that time in that's where it can actually stand the test of time like aesthetically but also how it feels and how it wears and it's going to be contemporary as well. That timing for you was perfect, really, wasn't it? Because the whole movement of sort of sustainability is really big on people's minds now. Yeah. And if you're creating those kind of pieces that are going to accommodate the changing body and the changing time, you know, like over time can still wear yes. this one piece. Was that in the back of your mind? And if it was, and you know, that meant that you were quite forward thinking. Well, I think it was my upbringing because I was brought up on a farm and my parents are kind of just really efficient with what they have. <laughs> and so, um, you know, you just kind of make do. Using everything has kind of informed my ethos you know, like using it to its full capacity. So like my patterns are made out of geometric shapes, but they take up the whole piece of the fabric, the whole yield. So very little is cut away from the garment and put in the rubbish, essentially. So all the beautiful fabric is actually in the garment. You're also being cost effective as well as then not having that waste. Definitely. So much of what we do never goes on sale. So it's got this longevity for us as a business. Customers, they have it in their wardrobe for years and years and years and you know, share it with their daughter. Or I'm just getting into lots more boys wearing our things as well, which I love. We have like a really beautiful recycle boutique down the road. They're friends of mine and they said that Miss Crab is one of the fastest turnovers. So I was like, oh, that's cool. But then I was always like, oh, why did you get rid of that? <laughs> but I totally understand I love it when people pull out their things from 10, 15 years ago. It still looks contemporary and they still love it just as much or even more. Miss Crab is currently stocked on Australian-based online store Well-Made Clothes, which only sells sustainable or ethical garments. And Christine is looking further afield to selling offshore. She has her sights set on the US, Europe and Asia. But how does a label like Miss Crab deal with the supply chain? And what's Christine's outlook when it comes to quantity or mass production? Because we just actually keep making things. Like, if there's a demand, then we just keep making them. We were stocking a shop in LA um, right in the early days, and they were ordering, like, 100 of a piece of a style, which in New Zealand, like, if you're selling to another shop, probably the most they'll do is, like, five or six especially for a new label and I was just like oh my goodness and a month later like he'd ring up and go oh can I get like 150 my designs lend themselves to that diverse range of customer so we just keep producing for the demand but we do get to a point where we say to ourselves well I think there's enough in the world of that it's a really hard one because I like to keep our customers happy I mean when you're a customer you don't think about oh there's heaps of Dot Martin boots out there, you just say, I just want a pair of Dot Martin boots. Yeah, do you yeah. see yourself as an artist? Like when you look at your work or. <laughs> yeah, I think so. The way I work, like, is quite strange and 
That's why I think it's a different kind of product to other clothes out there. Like I always refer to them as pieces and not clothes, even though they are clothes. But yeah, I do want to make these very practical clothes that people do wear and love. I want people to enjoy them. I don't want them to just have them as beautiful works. I often think about the future of making clothes and what it means because it's just in constant change. That was Christine Crabb, designer for Miss Crabb, and earlier you heard designer Rachel Mills. And I'm Sonia Sly, presenter and producer for My Heels Are Killing Me, and this episode was engineered by Mark Chesterman. Now, we've still got a few more episodes to come for the season's heels, so we'd love for you to subscribe if you haven't already, and you also might like to take a look at our other RMZ podcasts. My latest favourite is the final episode of Black Sheep, based on one of New Zealand's most prolific killers. It's a goodie. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.